Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the show, everybody. A little bit of a inauguration day we got going on, huh? I believe there's some stuff happening in the world of politics today, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I have a full show for you. I have to say the news is rolling in like crazy as we chat. We got Biden's first day shit, Trump's last day shit. Um, I could, I mean, I could do a fucking eight-hour show today if I really want to do. Spoiler alert, I don't. (laughs) So you'll get the normal show. Um, Kyle and Corin is back, as you saw. Hopefully y'all are enjoying that. I know I'm I'm enjoying it. Corin and I had fun talking. Um, Did a little secular talking smack for y'all as well. So we're... uh, We're being productive in this bitch. We are being productive. This week, D.C. is on complete and utter lockdown because of the inauguration. So, uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to do Crystal Kyle and Friends remote. Um, We'll be talking to the great Nina Turner. If you want to check out the video of that, go to uh, Substack and subscribe. You tip Crystal and I five bucks a month, and that gets you the video a day early. If you don't want the video... Um, no worries, because the full audio drops on Saturday, the day after. So just a little little heads up for everybody about what we got going on this week. But as I said, we, uh, we're jam-packed in the show today. Um, what do I want to do? See, here's, here's my dilemma. My dilemma is there's a lot of shit that just broke, like now, that I want to cover. And so I sort of got to fuck up the, uh, the flow of the show and sort of got to fuck up the uh, the order that I originally planned for. 
Um, so let's go ahead and do that. I think I should start with let me let me start with Trump and what he decided in terms of the lobbying ban. Wait, where'd my tweet go? There it is. Okay. There it is, y'all. There it is. All right. Let's do the damn thing. So at 12 o'clock today, um, Joe Biden will officially be the president of the United States. This is, uh, as I'm talking to you now, it's the last, you know, hour of Trump's presidency. By the time you watch this, Biden will already be president. Um, So there's a lot going on in terms of Trump's final actions in office and Biden's first actions in office. We're going to try to cover as much of it as humanly possible so you get a sense of substantively what's going on, not just the theatrics and the show angle of what's happening, the pageantry of it. That's the word I was looking for. So, um, Here's one of the things we just learned today that Trump did on his way out the door. Axios says, just in, President Trump has revoked an executive order barring former officials from lobbying for five years after leaving his administration. This is too perfect an ending to the Trump era. It's too perfect. Because he came in, talking a good game about being anti-establishment and taking on the elites and wanting to drain the swamp. And then as soon as he got power, he wasn't taking concrete policy action to drain the swamp. And anytime he did nominally do that, it was window dressing. And so here we have a situation where you take one of the things that his supporters would point to and say, well, that's positive, right? And on his way out the door, he says, no, I'm against that. So this is Donald Trump bathing in the swamp, chugging the swamp water. That's what this is. This is as swampy an act as it gets. This is a a pro-lobbyist, pro-corruption move. You know who's, who's celebrating at this news? Every special interest group you can imagine. Wall Street the military-industrial complex, big pharma, for-profit health insurance companies. That's who loves this. The swamp loves this. So this is, it's just too perfect an encapsulation of the Trump era. He came in as a fake populist and a fake outsider. He leaves as a fake populist and a fake outsider. Remember, one of his main things was trade on the campaign trail, and he would talk about NAFTA and permanent normal trade relations with China, and the establishment failed you, and they shipped all your jobs overseas. Well, go look at his record on outsourcing. There was net hundreds of thousands of jobs outsourced under Trump. This is the guy who ran on, like, one of his core promises was, I'm going to stop outsourcing. That didn't happen. In fact, in his tax bill in 2017 that they passed, it incentivized outsourcing. The 2017 Republican tax cut bill. It cut taxes for corporations and the wealthy, and it was permanent. Any tax break, any tax relief for regular people was temporary, but it incentivized outsourcing. And here we are. Even the, uh, you know, the lobbyist bans, 
Me? I'm against money in politics because I want to drain the swamp. Oh, did I say that? On the way out the door, I'm going to say I'm pro-money in politics. It was all a scam all along. It's all a scam. He had no real ideology. He's very vapid. He's a very empty man. He wants the narcissism and the self-aggrandizement of being president. And uh, what happened was he surrounded himself with swamp creatures. He surrounded himself. I mean, go count the number of Goldman Sachs people who were in his administration. It's really something else. Like it's, it's, there's a, there was a lot of Goldman Sachs people in his administration. Bannon was part of Goldman Sachs at one point. Um, Gary Cohn was part of Goldman Sachs. Steve Mnuchin. There were a lot of people from Goldman Sachs in his administration. So in other words, he slammed Hillary on the campaign trail for having close ties to Wall Street and Goldman Sachs. And then as soon as he took power, he brought in a bunch of Goldman Sachs people. Well, lo and behold, he's governing like a Goldman Sachs elitist. This, this just means he thinks money in politics is a good thing, and I like it. That's what that means. So business as usual, status quo, corrupt politician. That's what he is. And, you know, I, I guess what I want to say here, and I'm not trying to do this in a rude way. I'm not trying to be condescending or look down on people who did whatever it is they did and supported President Trump, now former President Trump. If this doesn't burst the bubble for you, I don't know what will. Because it's clear as day. I mean, this is, he may as well have tattooed on his forehead, I'm a fake populist, I'm a fake outsider. I love the swamp. I didn't drain the swamp. That's a long thing to tattoo on your head. <laughs> that would have been like a paragraph tattooed on your head. But you, you get the point. So, listen, got to come back to reality, man. Got to come back to reality and realize exactly what went on here. Everybody's been had. They've been took. They've been bamboozled. That's what this is. He's a con man. And so this should be a slap in the face to wake you up to the reality of Trumpism. Trumpism was based on a veneer, a facade of outsider, anti-elitism, anti-establishment politics. That was all the game. But really what it was, was the status quo on the inside when it comes to economics. The status quo. So what's left? All that's left when you get rid of that is what? Culture, war, grievance. That's it. And so there are plenty of people who, you know, have clung, 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 is that the word? Clinged? Clung? They cling to Trump. That sounds so weird. I don't know why. I don't know if that's a word or not. They really, they love Trump. And that's the main reason. Is just because he's a voice. He hates the same people that they hate. And so people think, my enemy and my enemy is my friend. He must be looking out for me. He's not. And all the evidence shows that. All the, the data shows that. All of his actions show that. And this is just the final example. Let this be the nail in the coffin for Trumpism, a movement that never really was. Now, where do I go from here, you little bitch? I guess I'll go to the Julian Assange story. Yeah, let me go to the Julian Assange story. All right, here we go. So in the final hours of Trump's presidency, a lot of people were holding their breath, hoping, waiting to see what he would do. Um, 
when it comes to Julian Assange, Edward Snowden, reality winner, is there a chance of a last-minute thumb-in-the-eye of the assholes in the deep state and the intelligence agencies and the neocons? Um, is there any prayer of that? Well, we got our answer, and the answer was no. There was no prayer of that. Now, why is that the case? Well, you know, I'd argue it's debatable, but we did learn this. Edward Snowden tweeted the following. Reports that Trump has let himself be bullied out of pardoning Assange, mistakenly believing Senate Republicans won't vote to impeach him if he caves. Once he's out of power, they're going to vote to impeach him anyway, which, well, that's one way to be remembered. Hashtag politics. Now, so there's a few things to say about this. Um, we don't know if that's accurate. I don't know who his source is. But there are others reporting that um, Mitch McConnell allegedly sent a letter to Trump making very clear to him that the Senate is likely to impeach you if you pardon Assange. If you don't, they probably won't impeach you. I don't know if he gave him assurances and said they definitely won't impeach you, but that's the gist of what was conveyed to Trump. You pardon Assange, you can get impeached. You don't pardon him, you won't. And maybe they threw Snowden in that same letter. Maybe they threw Reality Winner. I don't know. But I, I believe the crux of it was Assange. So there you have it. What did Trump do? As soon as, assuming the story is correct, as soon as he perceived it's his own ass on the line, oh, it would, I guarantee you, it was a no-brainer for him at that point. No-brainer. He was like, oh, protect my ass or save the First Amendment and freedom of speech and a free press? I'll obviously pick myself over First Amendment, free speech, and a free press. What a gargantuan beta. What a colossal cuck. I mean, this is real cuck shit, man. That's what that is. And this is another instance of there's a lot of people who are Trump supporters who were all in in favor of a Julian Assange pardon. And they were hoping. They were hoping. And he didn't come through. I'll get to others that he did pardon in a little bit, but this is the big one. Like, he had this opportunity to spare some semblance of his horrific legacy and just put a little bit of a cherry on top, like, maybe I'm not as terrible as you think, but he didn't do it. Remember, Obama on his way out the door, what did he do? He pardoned Chelsea Manning. That's good, right? That's good. I mean, Obama was terrible in a bunch of ways, but that was a positive part of his legacy. Trump didn't pardon Assange, didn't pardon Snowden, didn't pardon Reality Winner. We still have a war on whistleblowers. And this just, again, this is so emblematic of the Trump era. All it takes is like a few people who look official and sound official to be around Trump to tell him like, you don't want to do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And he's like, you're right. I don't want to do that. And we've seen it time and time again. My favorite example and I think it's the best example, is a few years ago, Trump randomly went on Twitter and started saying, we're getting out of Afghanistan, we've been there for far too long, this is over, this is done with, what are we doing there, it's so stupid, we're pulling out. And then, as the days and the weeks went by, we didn't pull out. We didn't pull out. So what happened was, his own generals and his own top intelligence people behind the scenes 
spoke to him, and they were like, sir, we're not going to do that. He's like, okay, you're right. I guess we're not going to do that. He's the commander-in-chief. He can call the shots, but he needs to stick to it. He needs to say it and mean it and act in accordance with it, but he doesn't do it. Wouldn't it be good if we did this thing, and then he doesn't do it, and then he's like, okay, well, I tried. No, you do get the final say. It's that thing he always says. Somebody came in to my office, looked straight out of central casting, was wearing the uniform, had very sparkly pins on him. Unbelievable. Look, an incredible guy. Very handsome man. Very tall man. And it's like, as long as you look official and sound official, he's like, okay, we're going to do that. Same thing when it comes to economic policy. You know, the 2017 Republican tax cut law, that's just George W. Bush politics on steroids. That's all that is. And so he was listening to Steve Mnuchin. He was listening to Gary Cohn. He was listening to these Goldman Sachs freaks who are responsible for crashing the economy back in 2008, 2009. And he's listening to them now. So, now, by the way, this is not me, like, excusing Trump's actions. No, if anything, it's the opposite. I think he's a massive, colossal, beta cuck. He's as cucky as it gets. Like, not a single inkling of actual conviction and principle and beliefs in himself. And so he just defaults to whatever the establishment wants. And that's exactly what happened here. We, Trump presented a real opportunity where if he actually had a set of balls, he could have gotten a lot done. Because he did have that, in terms of the way he campaigned, in the, similar to Obama, Obama had the anti-establishment mandate to really take a sledgehammer to the way shit was done. Trump had the same thing. He had an anti-establishment mandate. He did. He had an anti-establishment mandate, and he did Dickie McGee's acts with it. He did nothing with it. Really, really pathetic. So now Edward Snowden is not pardoned. Julian Assange is not pardoned. Listen, these are people, we already know the answers. We already know that they're American heroes. In the case of Julian Assange, letting the American people know that our military was committing war crimes, killing innocent people, circling around, killing the first responders, killing journalists, killing medical personnel, and then laughing about it. And so we learned this is what our tax money is going towards in Iraq. That's what our tax money is going towards. We have a right to know how our money is being used like that, what's being done in our name overseas. So that's called a whistleblower. That's called somebody who has a conscience. That's called somebody who wants to educate the American public so that we can make the intelligent decisions about how to conduct our foreign policy. That's what that is. And they threw the book at him and they persecuted him for so long as a result of this. And this cuck refused to pull the trigger to do the right thing at the last minute. Edward Snowden taught us that the NSA is spying on all of us, collecting all of our metadata. That's deeply unconstitutional. That's against our protection from unreasonable search and seizure. Edward Snowden knows that. So he blew the whistle and said, look, the government is acting illegally, is violating your constitutional rights. And they threw the book at him. Trump didn't do anything. He had the ability and he didn't do anything. So he's a bitch. He's a bitch. This is a guy who was put in a position. There's a pandemic happening right now. You know what he could have done? He could have said, we're doing an emergency expansion of Medicare to all Americans. So now you don't have to pay for your medical bills. Because there's an emergency. We have Medicare. We're just going to expand Medicare to cover everybody. He could have done that. He didn't do it. Why didn't he do it? Because he's a cuck. And the second he even considered it, he would have gotten a phone call from Humana and Blue Cross Blue Shield and Emblem and all the health insurance companies and say, you're not doing this. He say, you're right, I'm not doing this. Because he doesn't have a pair of balls. 
Doesn't have a pair of balls. Empty, vapid, vacuous, shell of a man. There's no conviction in that man. Are you kidding me? Somebody who's somebody who is real. You pardon Julian Assange and Edward Snowden on day one. No brainer, son. No brainer. But no, we had to wait all the way to the last day, and he caved. And he caved for the saddest reason. By the way, I don't even necessarily think it's true. McConnell, McConnell's either going to have the votes to impeach Trump, the 16 or 17 he needs, or he's not going to have the votes. What happens with Assange is not going to weigh in on that in either direction. So really, McConnell bluffed Trump, and Trump fell for it because he cares more about protecting his own ass than anything. Beyond pathetic. Okay. Oh, motherfucker. Motherfucker. Okay, let me... uh, Again, I'm trying to figure out the order to go in because there's so much shit to talk about today. So much shit to talk about today. Um... Okay, I guess I'm going to go to the to the pre-planned approach here and talk about Biden's health care plan, which was just released in more detail. Joe Biden is already doing very Joe Biden-like shit. This is, this is not good. David Sirota says the following. Biden's new health care plan lifted its proposals from insurance lobbyists' letter. It would provide lucrative subsidies to insurers that pumped cash into the 2020 election. It avoids a promised public option and dem legislation to expand Medicare. So he already caved and backed off of what he was saying on the campaign trail. What he was saying on the campaign trail wasn't nearly aggressive enough of a health care plan, and he's already backed off of that. So let me give you some, excuse me, let me give you some more information on this. Um, in uh, his piece in the Daily Poster, he says the following. Biden's inaugural committee has received donations from at least two major health insurers, Anthem and Centene, both of which offer plans on state marketplace exchanges, Centene CEO bundled donations for Biden's presidential campaign and Biden's first major campaign fundraiser was headlined by Independence Blue Cross CEO. So this is, I mean, what he's saying here is there's this unholy alliance, this connection, this marriage between Biden's campaign and for-profit health insurance companies in a way that would make anybody who cares about corruption sick. Because that's what this is. And this is, the thing that's so egregious about it is that it's open corruption. It's not even like he has these connections with for-profit health insurance companies and he's like aware that that gives him a conflict of interest and that's bad for his job. It's like they're doing it and they're out in the open about it, which is just gross. It's just beyond gross. Um, So 
apparently the average lowest cost premium for a bronze level plan. So this is a way to expand Obamacare where you're like giving more subsidies to the health insurance companies and the executives can get wealthier. Again, abandoning a Medicare expansion, obviously abandoning Medicare for all. I was never even on, on board with Medicare for all. But it's like, let's give massive subsidies to the health insurance companies. And why are they doing this? Well, they're doing this, again, because the executives and the top brass can get wealthy doing this. So the average low-cost premium for a bronze-level plan, the bare minimum plan, $321. The average bronze plan deductible on the individual market was nearly $5,900 in 2019. So in other words, you have coverage, but you don't really have coverage because who could afford the $321 a month and who can afford the $5,900 deductible? They say health insurers deny nearly one in five claims for in-network care by patients with Affordable Care Act plans, according to data from the Kaiser Family Foundation from 2017. For some insurers, about 40% of claims are rejected. So in other words, the system we have is a total scam and a total joke. There's no way around it. How do you explain these numbers? For a bronze plan, $321 a year, that's the average. The deductible is $5,900. Who's got $5,900 laying around? Maybe the top 10% of Americans, but that means 90% of Americans can't even meet the deductible on a bronze plan. And then again, some insurers, 40% of the claims are rejected. You don't even have health care at that point. You don't even have, you're flipping a coin, basically, more or less, it, to determine whether or not you'll get coverage when you submit a claim. And by the way, we learned this as well. Nancy Pelosi was saying the same thing recently. Nancy Pelosi was like, what if we just expanded COBRA? Which again, is a giant giveaway to health insurance companies. That's exactly the approach that Joe Biden is taking. Joe Biden wants to give more subsidies to his wealthy CEO buddies who helped fund his campaign. Again, see, this is a scandal and this is the shit you will never, ever, 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 ever hear on CNN, on MSNBC, on the nightly news. Listen, those outlets, they hated Trump, and they were correct to hate Trump. Now, they used terrible arguments against Trump, but at least they hated Trump. With Joe Biden, it's going to be nothing but big, wet, sloppy, slobbering blowjobs all day long. That's what's going to happen. They're going to blow him, and they're going to ignore shit like this. They're going to bury shit like this, and it's pathetic. So you have to you know, do your best to support the outlets that are doing right by the actual news. Again, this is from uh, David Sirota's Daily Poster, so credit to him. Some of the people he has working for, uh, for the Daily Poster did the work on this article. I don't have the names in front of me. I'm sorry about that. But, I mean, this is real journalism. Now, beyond that, guys, a new poll just came out today. A new poll. 66% of Americans fear they won't be able to afford health care this year. 66%. That's a failed system if I've ever heard of one. 66% fear they won't be able to afford health care this year. Half of respondents are concerned they can't pay unexpected medical bills that total less than $1,000. We just discussed how the bronze deductible is 5900 Half the country can't afford a bill that's less than $1,000. But it's okay, don't worry. I'm sure people won't run into medical problems. It's not like we're in a pandemic where over 400,000 Americans are now dead. The system is totally broken. If they don't move to address this stuff quickly, I fear for our future. I don't know what's going to happen in our future. This income and wealth inequality is unsustainable. 
And if the elites know what's good for them, they'll harken back to FDR. When FDR let the elites know, hey, if you don't give up some of your shit, people might come for all of your shit. I'm paraphrasing. And they have the nerve also to gaslight you as if social democracy is extreme. Social democracy is not extreme. Social democracy is the compromise. Social democracy is the bare minimum. The idea of taking health care off the table in a civilized society so people don't go bankrupt for medical bills. The idea of taking education off the table in a civilized society, paying people higher wages so they can actually afford to live. This is the bare minimum of the shit you could do. But you're treated like you're the extremist if you advocate for it. No, 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 we're not extreme. They're extreme. This system is extreme. Joe Biden's corruption, that's extreme. Donald Trump's corruption, that's extreme. Sick joke, man. Sick joke. They're already backing off of their weak upfront health care plan. His plan was already weak, and now he watered it down more. And the whole point of it is to be a scam to shovel more money to for-profit health insurance companies. If you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. Okay. I got to turn off the heat in here, y'all. I got to turn off the heat in here. It is fucking hot as balls. For those of you who don't know, apparently balls are hot. (laughs) All right. I'm not going to actually hit the break thing. I'll take you with me to turn the heat off. You know what the problem is? I realized it the other day. There's so much good insulation in the studio that, like, it holds the heat really well. But that becomes a problem because I get too hot very, very quickly. Okay. Heat officially turned off. And you know what, motherfucker? I'm going to turn the AC on in this bitch. <laughs> okay, here we go. AC on in this bitch. I just turned it on. It's probably not going to kick on, though, because... Only the studio is hot. Every area outside of the studio is not hot at all. It's actually a little chilly out there. Anyway, all right, so. Back in my chair. I keep adding stories to uh, my rundown here because we got a lot going on this final, final day. Final day of the Trump administration, first day of the Biden administration. I like them apples. Okay, everybody, we got the final day of the Trump administration, first day of the Biden administration. We've already talked about many of the actions that are uh, being taken or going to happen very soon. Um, I just want to give you some more real quick. So we've discussed a few times what Biden's day one agenda and week one agenda is. Now we've gotten a more clear picture of exactly what's going to happen on day one. So according to Jeff Stein of the Washington Post, who's awesome, by the way, I highly recommend you follow him. He's one of the best reporters in the country, in my opinion, usually economics-focused reporter, but sometimes branches off into other things. Anyway, so according to him, Biden's day one executive orders include the following. Rescinding the Muslim ban. That's going to happen on day one. Revoke the Keystone Pipeline. That's a new one that surprised a lot of people. A lot of people are actually very happy about that one because 
They didn't expect Biden to do this with the Keystone XL pipeline. Rejoin the Paris Climate Agreement. That's amazing. That's wonderful. Extend the eviction moratorium and the student debt interest freeze. Again, that's unequivocally good. Protections for dreamers. That's another good thing that obviously Trump was not necessarily on board with. Um, And then also requiring masks in federal buildings. So that's what we learned. Everything I just said, this is what's now been verified as a day one action for Joe Biden. Okay. Um, So we had gotten some bits and pieces of information here and there. I believe we did two segments on this show covering what's likely to happen. Now we know for sure those things are going to happen. Now, um, let me tell you, now it takes a turn for the worse, unfortunately, because I want to tell you what else is going to happen. This isn't necessarily day one, but this is, this is on the record already. So Joe Biden is going to recognize Juan Guaido as Venezuela's top leader. Okay, this is some Trump shit. And also, it makes no sense, and it's imperialistic. Why? Because I don't care what you think of Maduro. It's irrelevant what you think of Maduro. He is the leader of Venezuela. That's not in dispute. We got this thing happening where people are just pretending that Juan Guaido, who didn't win an election, who's a puppet of the West, that we could just pretend like he's the leader of Venezuela. No, you can't. I mean, you can do that, but that's, it makes no sense, and you're just lying. Again, it doesn't matter what your feelings are on Maduro. You could hate him more than anybody. But he's the leader of Venezuela. That's not a question. So they're going to recognize Juan Guaido. And by the way, there's video now coming out of the hearing with uh, probably soon to be Secretary of State Blinken, where he's talking to Marco Rubio, and he's basically saying, like, yeah, we're going to try to do sanctions and squeeze them, squeeze out the Venezuelan government. So in other words, he's going to continue the Trump approach on Venezuela. So this is an instance on this particular policy. It's like you get a neocon with Trump and you get a neocon with Joe Biden. By the way, another terrible quote that we got yesterday, um, I believe, was it Cantwell? One of the Democrats basically said, like, the problem with the Trump administration when it comes to Iran is that the sanctions weren't strong enough. We need even more sanctions on Iran. Apparently, the Biden administration, when it comes to the Iran deal, to this point, everybody's been under the impression, based off things Joe had said, that we're just going to immediately get back in the, in the Iran deal, like, right away. Now they're saying, no, 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 first Iran needs to do full compliance, and then we'll consider getting back in. So in other words, they're saying, even though we pulled out of the deal, we ripped up the deal, you need to get back in the deal and abide by it, and then after you're already abiding by it, we'll determine whether or not we want to uphold our part of the deal. Why the fuck would they agree to that when a deal with us is not worth the paper it's written on since we're the ones who pulled out of it? Trump just pulled out of it. They were following it to a T, and Trump pulled out of it and ripped it up. And now you're saying we're not going to get back in it in good faith as the new administration to show you we care about peace. We want you to do full compliance, and then after you do that, we'll consider whether or not we get back. Are you kidding me? So as somebody said on Twitter, he's blowing his number one the easiest foreign policy layup you can imagine. They're already blowing it. So listen, my job is to give you guys the information, and the information is crystal clear. In some ways, his first day actions are positive, and you give credit where credit is due when it comes to some of it, like rejoining the Paris Climate Agreement. That's awesome. That's great. But in some ways, in some ways, terrible. And this is just like 
Donald Trump. This is, you know, with Trump, you got had pro-establishment neocon policies. With Biden, you're going to have pro-establishment neocon policies. That's not to say they're the same in every way, because they're not. But that is to say they're too similar. So, you know, you have the Republican Party, and then the Democratic Party isn't the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party is the diet Republican Party. That's what it is. Their actions are showing that. They're too much like the Republicans. They're not exactly the same, but they're too much like the Republicans. And they need to be different. They need to actually be a left party. It would be great to have a different foreign policy vision where you could vote for somebody who's not in favor of imperialism and neoconservatism and intervention everywhere and meddling in other people's business. So anyway, that's what's going on. You got some actions from Biden that are going to happen in the first day, in the first week or so, some of them positive, some of them very, very negative. Okay. Now, let me take a quick break. When we come back, again, I'm just getting started. Today's sort of a very busy show because of the nature of what's going on. Um, I'm going to get to Georgia voters feeling betrayed by the Democrats. You don't want to miss that. Stay right there. We'll be back with that and much more.
All right, y'all, I'm back. I am back up in this bitch. All right, let's move along here. Um, I'm going to talk about how Georgia voters feel totally betrayed by the Democratic Party. This is quite an article that was in uh, Mediaite, I believe it was in. Really says a lot about current state of the Democratic Party, which is a shame. Okay. Mediaite has this really, um, it's a really depressing article. It's a really sad article. It's, um, it's about how the Democrats ran in Georgia. Their main argument was, we're going to get you the $2,000 checks. If you vote for us, you get the $2,000 checks. And there's now been, you know, a move away from that. They're distancing themselves from that. They won on that, and now they're like, who, me, bro? I didn't. See, what happened was the sun was in my eyes. I didn't say $2,000. What I said was me and Craig and them was down by the Safeway, and the, it's the 1400 on top of the six you already got to get to a total of $2,000, not a separate $2,000 check to get to 2600 <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. Well, they ran into a little problem here because it appears like there are some people who, who are buying that line, that little sleight of hand of like, oh, I guess 2000 total is what they meant. But no, I think the majority of people are like, no, I'm not buying it. You said $2,000 checks, and you even argued that after the 600 already passed. So we want $2,000 checks. So a lot of people are just totally shattered over this because people need that fucking money. I don't know if you noticed, there's a pandemic and effectively a depression happening right now. People went out to vote for them because people need that money. Okay, so here's what it says. A betrayal. Georgia voters enraged after Democrats' promise of $2,000 checks becomes $1,400 under Biden's stimulus plan. So let me give you, I actually have some of these uh, quotes jotted down here. These really are like heartbreaking. One person said, quote, the last few weeks heading towards the runoff election, especially after Trump endorsed the $2,000 payments, Warnock and Ossoff made it a point to endorse and exclusively say $2,000 checks. Here's what one voter said, quote, a lot of people in my district voted blue in the runoff for two main reasons. Number one, Leffler and Purdue denying us relief during COVID while profiting millions themselves. So people were paying attention to that story about how corrupt they are, and they sold the stocks when they had the meeting, like, COVID's going to be bad, sell, and then they did. And the second reason, $2,000 checks. Somebody who knocked on doors for the Democrats said, quote, I was on the ground, and I knocked on over 1,000 doors, he told Mediaite in an interview. Quote, at the doors, I was literally telling people, $2,000 checks. You can rely on this. I'm a man of principle and morals, and I feel like shit. I lied to them. I was lying to them the whole time. I was lying to people that were relying on this. At the time, I didn't know it was a lie, but it was not the reality. This is pretty much a betrayal of the working class. You can't do this to people. And then if you do this to people, you for shit sure better calm the fuck down with your finger wagging and telling them to fall in line and vote Democratic because the Republicans are more evil. Yes, the Republicans are more evil. Yes, there's a difference between the two parties. 
but they're too similar. And when you do shit like this and you stab somebody in the back, human nature kicks in. And people don't give a fuck about your, your disconnected academic theorizing of like, well, they might suck 100% of the time, but we only suck 87% of the time, so maybe you should vote for us. Shut the fuck up and stick by your word. You said $2,000 checks. Cut the $2,000 checks and shut the fuck up. By the way, you want to know the backstory? Because I can tell you exactly what went on behind the scenes and what they, what they decided to do. So originally the idea was, we're going to do the $2,000 checks. That was the original idea. We're going to do the $2,000 checks. We're going to do it through budget reconciliation. Then it became, oh, did we say 2000 We meant 1400 more to make a total of 2000 because you already got 600 And we're not going to do that in a standalone bill. What we're going to do is put that in a broader $1.9 trillion COVID relief package and try to get that through the Senate, not through budget reconciliation, which means you only need 51 votes, but we're going to try to do it in a bipartisan way, which means you get 60 votes, which they're not going to fucking get. I don't even think they're going to get close. I don't even think they're going to get like 53 or 4. That's it. Maybe even less than that. So then what are they going to do? Well, then they're at a crossroads. Okay, do we throw our hands up and say, gosh, golly, we tried and we couldn't do anything. (laughs) Which is a lie if they say that. It's a lie. Or do they say, okay, you don't want to pass this in a bipartisan way. Now we're going to go through budget reconciliation and get the 51 votes in order to pass this piece of legislation. See, guys, what I want to make crystal clear, I'm saying this beforehand, beforehand. If the Democrats don't get something, they never wanted anything because they have the ability to get something. And if they don't get something, don't buy their bullshit of, oh, it was the big bad Republicans who handcuffed me and I couldn't get anything done. Gosh, golly, gee, fiddle six, mama. That's bullshit. If they say that shit, it's fucking bullshit because they could, they can do this through budget reconciliation. By the way, they didn't need to muddle the package and put a zillion things in there and make it less likely to pass. They didn't need to say, we're going to try to override the filibuster and have a bipartisan bill. They didn't need to do any of that, but they did all of that. If they don't retreat to, we're going to do budget reconciliation, either for the $1.9 trillion package or the $2,000, then they never wanted it, and they played you for a fool all along. Now, do I know what's going to happen? No, I have no idea what's going to happen. I fucking hope they get something through, because if they don't, they're liars and they're full of shit, and their plan is going to be what their plan has always been for decades, which is... When they have the ability to do some shit, they're going to say, oh, we can't do some shit because the Republicans are big bad meanies. Again, even though I'm telling you beforehand, as a matter of fact, that's not true. If you're a president, you could say, we're going to do the $2,000 checks, we're going to do it through budget reconciliation, and we're going to pass it. You're going to pass it in the House because it's overwhelmingly Democratic. You're going to pass it in the Senate because it's 51 votes if Kamala you know, breaks the tie. You just got to hold Manchin or get Hawley, which you can do to get to 51, and then you sign the bill. So again, I'm letting you know in beforehand. I'm not Monday morning quarterbacking. You know, is that the way the saying goes? I don't know the way the saying goes. I don't watch football, so I, don't, I probably shouldn't use that saying. But anyway, I'm telling you in advance that if they get nothing, they're full of shit and they don't want anything. Okay, so I hope they get something. Because this alone, by the way, guys, yes, you're crazy if you think that, you know, if you had the election now, after the Democrats did this, the result might be different. It might be Leffler and Purdue winning. Because if this was their, their main closing argument, literally they ran ads that just said, like, vote for me for a $2,000 check. 
Biden went and rallied there and said, if you elect these Democrats, that stops the blocking of the $2,000 checks. We can get you the $2,000 checks. You can't do this and then be surprised if you lose. And the most amazing thing is, guys, this Republican Party is beyond a joke. The Republican Party, they're in shambles. There's going to be a Republican civil war. It's going to be the Trumpists versus the more establishment types. I mean, they're really going to be at each other's throats. It's going to be ugly as fuck. With the state of the Republican Party, you should be able to get gigantic supermajorities everywhere if you're a Democrat. But that would also require the Democrats not totally sucking as well in a different way. And what they're showing here is they're not going to take advantage of the Republican Party being fractured and destroyed and factionalized. They're going to do shit like this and still somehow make the races close from here on out. Like the election, I don't know, in, in, do I know what's going to happen in 2022 or 2024? No. Anybody who says they do is lying to you. Because it's like there's a race to see who can suck more. The Republicans are a total mess. Trump left that party in shambles. But the Democrats, the more they do shit like this, the, the less appealing they are. And what I fear is what everybody should fear, which is people checking out of the system completely. People who are just like, none of them are fighting for me. Okay, there's some differences, but is it enough to get me my ass to go to the polls and spend an hour of my life? No. So that's what you need to fear. You need to fear people checking out of the system. Because when you do shit like this, all of your academic theorizing means Dickie McGeezak. Yeah, go tell people, they suck 100% of the time, but we suck 87% of the time, and 87% is lower than 100%, so come vote for me. Shut the fuck up and do what you said you were going to do, bitch. Shut the fuck up. All this browbeating and shaming. Do the shit you said you were going to do. And I'm even more laid back than most other people, where most people would say, hey, $2,000 checks or go fuck yourself. I'll be kind and say, eh, it was somewhat ambiguous as to whether or not you wanted the $2,000 checks or you said you meant $1,400 plus $600 to a total of $2,000. You know what? I'll give you your little sleight of hand bullshit because at least you're giving people some help. But you better get them the help. If you don't get them the help, I don't know what to tell you. You can't expect people to be excited or happy or interested or look forward to voting for you. Nobody wants to vote for you. Fucking selfish punk bitch corporatists. It's just disgusting. It's just disgusting. You know how many people need this fucking money? I mean, we really are in a pandemic and also effectively a depression. I mean, before the depression, 80% of the American people were living paycheck to paycheck. People got bills. Are you kidding me? It's going to be like 30 or 40% of the country can't pay their fucking housing bill. So we have some temporary protections now because of COVID. What happens when those protections go away? And people got to pay all these bills. They don't have the fucking money for it. And you can't even cut another $2,000 check. Guys, it should be $2,000 per month. And now they're arguing over the check that we had before this one was what, nine months ago? You got a $1,200 check nine months ago? And now we're talking about they're arguing over $2,000 or $1,400 or $2,600 now? Another one-time payment? It just shows you how they don't represent you. Because we've covered the numbers. A one-time $2,000 check, you know what that polls at? 78%. You know what $2,000 a month polls at? 60%. Because people need that fucking money. And they also look at it like, you know what? That's actually my money. Because I pay taxes. That's my money. I want my money back because I'm falling on hard times over here. And what do they do? One political party gives you the finger, except for the weak cuck at the top. Maybe 2000 Okay, maybe not. And then the Democrats, yeah, uh, 2000 Oh, did we say that? What we meant was 1400 and go fuck your mother. God damn it, man. It's just disgusting. People are abandoned. 
And you wonder why they hate politics. This is why they hate politics. Weasley motherfuckers, man, I swear to God. Okay, next. Okay. Let me change the light. We have a really, really interesting development when it comes to um, the attempted insurrection or the diet coup at Capitol Hill. Look at this. So Rashida Tlaib said the following. I'm leading the call for national security powers to not be expanded in light of the attack on our nation's capital that occurred two weeks ago, as such measures often lead to the erosion of Americans' civil liberties. And so she writes this long letter. It's a beautiful, eloquent letter where she lays out this case. And then you can see there, here are the other Democrats who signed it. Earl Blumenauer, Ro Khanna, Jamal Bowman, Barbara Lee, Pramila Jayapal, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Mondaire Jones, Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Presley. So here's what we have to say about this. Now, listen, we're tough on, on these guys when they do wrong stuff, as we should be, right? We should say, hey, you're incorrect about this, and here's what you need to do to fix it. But this is an instance where this, is, this takes genuine political courage, what they're doing here. And so they deserve a pat on the back, and they deserve a thank you for this. Because what they're doing is they're saying, listen, we saw what happened on Capitol Hill. We saw the insurrection, the diet coup attempt. We know that there, there are extremist groups in this country, right-wing militias in this country. You know, we know that there's a, a growing threat of right-wing terrorism. We know that there's you know, a, a reemergence of some factions of white supremacist terror. And this is a real problem, but, 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 we don't need a Patriot Act 2.0. We don't need more domestic surveillance capabilities because that is what the intelligence agencies and that is what the establishment wants to use this for. They want to use what happened to Capitol Hill, the attempted insurrection, the diet coup. They want to use that to more closely monitor the American people, to track every move you make, every phone call you have, every text message. They want to give themselves more complete and utter domination control and they want to pacify the population more. Basically what they want is a Patriot Act 2.0. The way that we eroded civil liberties in the wake of 9-11 was unbelievable. And now any reasonable person who looks back on it says, whoa, 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 what the fuck were we thinking? That in the wake of 9-11, all of the actions were insane and they were over the top and they eroded civil liberties and your constitutional rights. And so now, even though the Capitol Hill insurrection just happened, wasn't that long ago, you already have some lawmakers with the political courage to step up and say, no Patriot Act 2.0, no more domestic surveillance uh, capabilities. In other words, they're saying, hey, use the capabilities you already have and do your goddamn job if you want to stop something like this from happening. Do standard police work, standard intelligence work. You don't need to erode civil liberties more. You know, the laws that are already on the books are sufficient to go after the people who broke the laws. You know, and a lot of these people, to their credit, they're also against the original Patriot Act. That's the correct position. Because the NSA can spy on everybody. 
The NSA can spy on everybody, collect everybody's metadata, and they abuse that to no end. We learned through Edward Snowden, through his leaks, that you had people at the NSA who were spying on their love interests. The exact type of abuse of power that you would expect is exactly what went on. There, were, there was a laundry list of insane abuses that happened. And now you have, to their credit, these are left-wing lawmakers who are saying, even though it's my political enemies who are out there at Capitol Hill, I want to protect their civil liberties. That's what I want to do. I want to protect their rights. I want to protect the Constitution. I care about due process. So listen, nothing but credit to Rashida Tlaib, every, every lawmaker who signed that bill, they see the whole picture. They see how this can be used towards nefarious ends to give the intelligence agencies more power to erode civil liberties in the Constitution. And they're against it. They're standing up against it. So I give them a lot of credit, every one of them. I want to repeat it. Rashida Tlaib, colossal credit, amazing letter. I recommend you read the whole thing. Earl Blumenauer, Ro Khanna, Jamal Bowman, Barbara Lee, Pramila Jayapal, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Mondaire Jones, that's my congressperson. Shout out to Mondaire Jones, Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Presley. You guys did a great thing here, and you deserve a lot of credit. And, by the way, as Glenn Greenwald was pointing out on Twitter, I suspect you're going to see an alliance on this of not just these left-wing, like, justice democratic lawmakers, you're also going to see a lot of civil liberties leaning Republicans sign on to this. They're going to say, okay, listen, we're all against the attempted insurrection and the diet coup and what happened. Giant reality show. Um, but there were some moments that were just beyond glorious where everybody had to pause and soak it in and say, Jesus fucking Christ, really, really? So big shout out here to Jules on Twitter at Jules underscore SU. He's a good follower. I recommend everybody check him out. He did this amazing tweet thread of like, well, here, I'll read it to you. Here's what he said. Since Trump's almost out of office, I figured this would be a fun time to remind everyone of the weirdest and dumbest shit our failed dictator did in the last four years that we totally forgot about. Starting with a classic, staring directly into the sun during a solar eclipse. <laughs> Look, he did it. He actually did that. That is classic Trump. All right, let's continue and go through all this. Catering an all-McDonald's dinner because he caused the government shutdown and there was nobody to cook food at the White House. Again, this is beautiful. That, honestly, I'm not going to lie, that's one of my favorite Trump pictures. I think that's his finest moment as president because I'm a well-known fast food expert. <laughs> I love fast food. Uh, the orb, remember when he touched the orb with the uh, leader of Saudi Arabia and that's uh, General C.C. even now the leader of Egypt and that was a fucking real creepy thing, huh? Hurricane projection with a Sharpie. Remember that? Where he said, it's going to hit Alabama. And everybody was like, it's not going to fucking hit Alabama. And so then he took the official map of where the hurricane was supposed to hit. And he drew in Sharpie to make it look like, actually, it is going to hit Alabama, see? Shoving aside another world leader to walk in front. I'll show you this one. This one's good. Here, you'll see that again. Hold on. He just, like, shoves. I don't even know who that leader is, by the way. He shoves this guy aside and just, like, shimmies his way to the front. Classic Trump, like, fake macho man move. Um, toilet paper on the shoe. You remember this? Walking up Air Force One. He got the toilet paper on his shoe. Classic. I, I remember that very well. Incredibly creepy. Disgusting. <laughs> the tiny desk. Oh, this one just happened. I love this one. This one just happened. He was a, it was a signing ceremony for something, and I think his staff was fucking with him because they gave him, like, a preschooler's desk. Like, I don't know why they did that. He looks ridiculous. I mean, he always looks ridiculous, but this is 
even more ridiculous. Telling a seven-year-old there's no Santa Claus on Christmas. <laughs> like all the presidents have done that with somebody. Usually it's the Saudi Arabian uh, leader that they do that with. Watergate, the way he sips water like a toddler. Um, refusing to share his umbrella. Walking out there with uh, Melania and his son Barron, who's now a zillion times bigger, by the way. But yeah, he wasn't sharing his umbrella. Classic Trump moment. Then dumping it in front of the Air Force One. <laughs> I remember that video. So he's carrying his umbrella. He gets to the top. He can't figure out how to close it. He just leaves it out there. <laughs> That's epic laziness. Signing Bibles. I don't remember that one, if I'm being honest with you guys. Fake Melania. Yeah, the fake Melania one. I don't know, man. That actually looks like Melania to me, so I don't know why everybody's convinced that's a fake Melania. I think that that, that actually looks like Melania. Um, the way he stands, oh, God. People have pointed this out for a while now. His center of gravity is like, it defies physics. Nobody even understands how he, any human being can stand like that. Like, how does he stand like that? I don't get it. Dumping a whole box of fish food in, in a koi pond. The Trump truck, yes, this picture is now, like, a classic go-to to show that he's really effectively like a child. He's like a baby. I mean, look at this. That's, that's out of this world. Weird, the already weird handshake kept missing. The little boy, that's hilarious. The insanely bad tan. Listen, dude, I'm still trying to figure out exactly what the fuck is going on with this tan. I don't know. I don't know. You could make an argument that it's makeup. You can make an argument that um, it's spray tan, it's an actual tan, like, I don't know, there's, it's probably not an actual tan, but there's something going on there, and I don't think anybody's able to figure it out. Taking off his mask to look strong while actively contagious with COVID, I remember that one, this one was relatively recently, crossing out COVID and writing in Chinese in his large print notes just to be more racist. <laughs> he did go out of his way to always say, China virus, it's the China virus. Repeatedly just using blank pages and empty folders as props that nobody is allowed to look at. I remember that very well. He did that when he was pretending like, I'm signing over my businesses in blind trust to my sons. And, uh, of course, that didn't really happen. That's not exactly what a blind trust is. But leave it to Trump. He was profiting off of his name while in office while pretending he wasn't. Stoked to meet the Pope who hates him. That picture is legendary. The Pope genuinely looks miserable, and he looks really happy. And I don't know why Melania and Ivanka are dressed in, like, all black. Like, were they a funeral of some sort? I really don't know. Um, anyway, so that's the, that's the whole. We're picking this person for Secretary of the Interior. I have to tell you, this guy loves the interior. Nobody loves the interior like he does. <laughs> he actually said these things, man. He actually said these things. So anyway, in no way, shape, or form when it comes to actual policy, Am I going to miss Donald Trump? Because he was a standard establishment Republican 95% of the time, made the wrong decisions, more tax cuts for the rich, more tax cuts for corporations, more deregulation, more endless war. Terrible, terrible, terrible. But I will miss the shit out of this goofiness. That's for damn sure. Okay. Here we go, baby. Here we go, baby. Mitch McConnell finally spoke. This is the first time he said anything, I think, since, uh, since the attempted insurrection on Capitol Hill, since the diet coup attempt. And um, it's interesting. 
I don't know, you watch this and you determine what direction you think he's going in when it comes to impeachment. Because the House already impeached, so now the Senate has to take it up, even though Trump is now leaving office. They have to decide whether or not to impeach him. So what direction is he going to go? Take a look. forever and still get elected in gigantic numbers. Because at least there would be 
everybody's sort of unified under the Democratic umbrella where there's a third party getting 15% of the vote from Republicans. So the Democrats are in a position where they could just sort of always do the bare minimum from now until forever and still win nonstop and get gigantic supermajorities. I don't see anybody who's really willing to lean into that fight on the left, and that's scary because the hostile takeover needs to be actually hostile, and I haven't seen that. But anyway, if Trump does this, it's a wrap for the Republican Party. So I do think this might actually lead them to take action against Trump. I do think so. I do think this might lead them to say, we got to ban him from running ever again or else he'll destroy the Republican Party. So that GOP civil war is going to be delicious, man. I can't wait to watch it.
All right, y'all, we are back in this bitch. Um, so it's official. Joe Biden is now the 46th president of the United States of America. I just saw um, during that break, I peaked on CNN, and um, it's it already happened. It already happened. He's been sworn in. Really, really something special. Right, as I was leaving, what I'm saying is I was pointing rudely at him with you, Mr. President, all relatively to Putin. I don't know what Putin has on him politically, financially, or personally, but what happened last week was a gift to Putin because Putin wants to undermine democracy in our country and throughout the world. And these people, unbeknownst to them, maybe, are Putin puppets. They were doing Putin's business when they did that at the incitement of an insurrection by the President of the United States. So, yes, we should have a 9-11 commission, and there's strong support in the Congress to do that. What if I told you not everything is about Russia? Not everything is about Vladimir Putin? You guys hear that, and you're like, fucking obviously. But, no, there's a certain faction of corporate Democrats that that's all they think about. You would think that after the Mueller report that this issue would be put to bed, and at least people would want to stop embarrassing themselves. But they don't want to stop embarrassing themselves. They're still embarrassing themselves. I mean, listen, when people went down in the Mueller report, none of it was for collusion with Russia. It all had to do with corruption. And good, I'm glad people went down for corruption. More people should go down for corruption, because there's a lot more corruption in the Trump circles than has been uncovered so far. But it's got nothing to do with Russia. What are you talking about? She says, I want to find out who he's beholden to, who pulls his strings. I'm doing that. But now it's back to normal, and it's these are the same preconditions that led to Trump. She said, did he talk to Putin during the insurrection? I stop and think about how stupid that is. Like, does anybody really believe Trump was talking to Putin during the insurrection? Donald Trump was on the phone with Vladimir Putin during the insurrection. When it was happening... So there's, there's contradictory reporting, but some of the reporting said Trump looked at who was doing uh, the attempted insurrection at the Capitol, and he was like, oh, this looks gross because they all look low class, and Trump hates the look of low class shit. So that was one report. Then we know because of how he acted during, while it was happening in the aftermath, he spoke out of both sides of his mouth. He said, we need, to be, we need to be peaceful. We love our law enforcement. Don't do anything bad to our law enforcement. But also, there's a totally fraudulent rigged election. It's not good. So he was talking about both sides of his mouth. And then the next day, he really threw him under the bus. He gave a couple speeches where he really threw him under the bus. And he was like, no, no supporters of mine could ever be violent. Then the argument was, he was saying behind the scenes, it was probably Antifa. It wasn't even my people because my people aren't violent. So you think that guy, who obviously didn't know how to handle what was happening, and was in commission to figure out if he's beholden to Russia. And Nancy Pelosi's like, oh, yes, that's what we need to do. And then Pelosi says, Putin wants to undermine democracy throughout the world. What about when we undermine democracy, and you guys are in favor of it? Remember that? Remember how you guys supported overthrowing Iraq? Now, they weren't a democratic country, but you know what also is not democratic? Overthrowing foreign countries. That's not democratic. What we did in Iraq, what we did in Afghanistan, what we do bombing eight different countries. Currently, what we're doing and what Biden is promising to continue in Venezuela. All the time, we support brutal dictators against democratically elected governments. All the time, we do that. And they have Putin is undermining democracy. How about you worry about what you can fix? 
what you can fix is we need to not overthrow democracies. We need to not meddle in other people's affairs. What's that phrase? It's like don't look at the splinter in your neighbor's eye when you have a branch in yours, something like that. I'm butchering that a thousand ways, but I think that's like a quote in the Bible about the hypocrite doing around the world. Look at what you're doing around the world. Look at what you're doing around the world. That's not to say Putin is good. He's not. But look at what you're doing around the world. Jesus Christ. I mean, listen, this is delusional. This is deranged. After everything that's happened, all the things you can go after Trump for, all the ways in which he's failed, all the ways in which he's been corrupt, all the ways in which he's continued the status quo, and the thing that they choose to focus on is, I still think he's controlled by Vladimir Putin. No, you know who he's controlled by? Wall Street, Big Pharma, the military-industrial complex. And if you want to talk about foreign governments that control them, look to Israel and Saudi Arabia. In other words, some of the same people that control you guys. Next, next, next. You guys are all going to get a kick out of this. Um, CNN is already starting their new era. And the era with Trump was like, we hate him so much, we're going to shit on him 24-7. And that's fine. Like, you should shit on, you know, our, our terribly corrupt leaders. But they always did it in a dumb way. Like, it was never really substantive and policy-based. It was always like, oh, the Twitter feed is so unhinged. Where are my pearls? I must clutch, I must clutch them. So they didn't do it in an intelligent way, but they went after him. Well, now it's the Biden era. And in the Biden era, oh, man, they are looking for the lube, and they cannot wait to give him a smooth handy. So they're starting with exactly that. Take a look. Still some uh, tinkering going on with the inaugural address, but here's a memorial. Uh, along the reflecting pool, it, I look, it's like almost – extensions of Joe Biden's arms embracing America. It was a moment where the new president came to town and sort of convened the country in this moment of remembrance, uh, outstretching his arms. That's some of the most awkward shit I've ever seen in my life. This is supposed to be a news channel. This is supposed to be a news channel, and they're somehow just as opinionated as me a loudmouth idiot on YouTube. What are you doing? Joe Biden. I mean, Joe Biden's so great. When I see him walking, honestly, pretty big dick imprint. I didn't want to say it, but I got to say it. Look at homeboy's dick imprint. You can see, I mean, it goes down his leg quite a bit. He's packing something, dog. He's got a big hog. Joe Biden, big hog. Hunter Biden, gigantic hog. Trump, probably tiny hog. I mean, that's what, it's like, when I listen to Joe Biden talk, it's like the warm embrace of my mother's arms. When I'm a toddler and I'm about to go down for a nap, and she gently kisses my forehead, and I feel safe and secure and comfortable. That's what it's like. Okay, give praise. But make it substantive. Okay? Here's how you praise Biden on his first day in office. We just got word. One of his first executive orders, we're going to get back in the Paris Climate Agreement. Great. You want to give him credit for that? Say, hey, Joe, good job getting us back in the Paris Climate Agreement. The world appreciates that because climate change is real and it's really bad and this is the least we can do. That's it. Nobody would give you shit on that. Well, Republicans would, but who cares? Most people would realize that's a reasonable comment, right? But what, you're doing this? 
And this is what it's going to be like for four years, man. It's going to be, slay Queen Kamala, slay. Why can't you be emperor and goddess of all of us forever? Make her a dictator. Make her a dictator. We love dictator Kamala. And with Joe, it's going to be like, oh, Uncle Joe, he loves us all so much. He cares so deeply. Ignore the executive orders he just signed where he's doing the bidding of Wall Street. But we love Uncle Joe. We love him so much. Warm embrace. Uncle Joe gives me a warm embrace when he talks. I mean, we talked about this the other day, but even like the whole we're going to do a memorial thing for COVID victims, this shit is still going on right now. You're not supposed to do – that's like if in the middle of 9-11 we started doing a, a memorial event. It's like to each other where people can get COVID-19 at the memorial for COVID-19. By the way, we still have like over 3,000 deaths a day, over 400,000 Americans dead. Save the memorial until we get under control. It's like when fucking Dr. Fauci's on the cover of magazines posing. I'm a very serious man doing a very serious job. Oh, what? We're still in the middle of the pandemic and I should be fucking taking care of that and doing my official government duties instead of posing like a douchebag? What are we doing? Oh, God. Why is everything so broken? You got the Republicans who are like, the elected Republicans are just like Neanderthal barbarian idiots who are wrong about everything. And then the Democrats are like self-obsessed prima donnas who are like on magazine covers for doing Dickie McGee's acts. Biden looked at me the right way and I got so hard, yes! Oh, Biden. Oh, you're the best president ever, good sir. Son, I don't know where I am, and I never even did anything yet. But you're still amazing. Oh, you're so wonderful. I get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to suck you off. They make my life easy. They really make my life so easy because they're so bad at their job that people want to come here to listen to me. At least I'm up front with my opinions and my biases and like, but they pretend like they're objective as they talk about how they want to jack off Joe Biden under the table because he's the best president ever. Wait, if this video is totally getting demonetized. <laughs> this video is totally getting demonetized. This one might even earn me like, uh, you know, some sort of like, you have to click through to watch it. What's it called? where they, they, like, warn you up front, like, hey, just so you know, this is... <laughs> Might be one of those situations. I mean, we're used to it with YouTube fucking us a thousand different ways. Anyway, um, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. It's pathetic, and they need to stop. Steve Bannon, or as Trump famously called him when he was mad at him, Sloppy Steve. <laughs> I'm never going to get over that. That's the, of all his nicknames, that's the best nickname. Sloppy Steve Bannon. Anyway, apparently they made up because um, Trump decided he's going to give him a pardon. On his way out the door, Trump pardoned, I think the number is 143 people, although maybe it changed. I saw one that said like 170, but the article I just saw said 143. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Somewhere in the ballpark of between 140 and 200 people. He pardoned a bunch of people on his way out the door. Now, listen, some of the, we don't have the full list yet, but the reports are some of them are things that we would like. So pardoning people for nonviolent drug offenses, great. Everybody who's in prison for a nonviolent drug offense should be pardoned. Off the list, Assange, Snowden, reality winner, because Trump is a gigantic cuck. He was threatened by Mitch McConnell. Hey, if you pardon them, we might impeach you. He's like, oh, I don't even like that. I didn't know what you're talking about. And so he didn't pardon them. Giant beta cuck, pathetic loser. Um, anyway, but there's also a lot of people on the list, his political allies and, like, donors and shit. And so he pardoned Steve Bannon. 
Now, you might be thinking, wait, why did Steve Bannon need to pardon? He didn't even know he was up on charges. Well, it was a story that came out recently. I believe it came out in August. Um, yeah, he, uh, he committed fraud on a gigantic scale. So I want you to take a look. Here's a, a news report at the time as to the charges Steve Bannon was being brought up on. Themselves, uh, even though they had suggested publicly that, uh, that this was a volunteer organization, that they were not taking salaries. This indictment document here says that Bannon publicly stated, we are a volunteer organization. Those represent, representations, the government says, were false. Uh, they also say that Steve Bannon, through a nonprofit organization under his control, Nonprofit One, as it's referred to here in the document, received over $1 million from We Build the Wall, at least some of which they say Bannon used to cover hundreds of thousands of dollars in his own personal expenses. So, Carl, dramatic development here for a former high-ranking White House counselor. Uh, we'll see if the White House has uh, any statement on this uh, coming up this morning. Back over to you. Wow. Carl, you can still donate. Your donations uh, have a direct impact right now. You can go to the site. And maybe it's still advised. Yeah, I'm looking over the uh, the DOJ release right now, guys. Uh, the as alleged, uh, they say uh, the defendants defrauded hundreds of thousands of donors, capitalizing on their interest in funding a border wall to raise millions of dollars under the false pretense that all of that money would be spent on construction. Fraud, fraud, and they had them. By the way, one of the main reasons they went down um, is because. They were. They kept arguing. They kept saying publicly, "100% of the funds you give us are going to go towards the border wall." 100%. And obviously, 100% did not go towards it. What percentage? I don't know what percentage. By the way, where the fuck's the wall? Where's the wall that they built? And I brought this up at the time. I don't know how people didn't realize this was a giant scam because you can't crowdfund a wall because then technically it's private. It's a private wall that you're building. To build a private wall, you need to do it on private property. You can't go to public property and then take private capital and build the wall because you don't have the right to do that. It's public property. So the government, which represents the public, would need to determine what goes on public property. So you can't just build her there in terms of how much money they were taking. There's another guy who took like 500000 or 300000 something like that from it for himself, bought a boat, was at the Trump boat parades with the money he bought that he said was going to go towards building the wall. Giant mess, colossal fraud, sloppy fraud. Sloppy Steve did some sloppy fraud. And so they were caught, and he was going to go down for sure. Like, that was an open and shut case, I think. Now Trump rides in to save the day. And that's interesting because they didn't end on positive terms. And, in fact, Roger Stone is really pissed at Trump for pardoning Bannon because Roger Stone did, like, a list of all the ways Steve Bannon stabbed you in the back or whatever the fuck, right? So infighting in Trump world, but Trump pardoned him. It's interesting because I guess he – made up with him or was more thankful that Bannon helped him get elected in 2016 or whatever the fuck it was or their friendship overrode it, whatever. Um, But it's also the case, if anybody understood what he was going through, it's Trump, because a lot of you guys don't remember this, Trump was charged with fraud for Trump University. And in fact, a judge ruled or judges ruled, I'm going to give him a pardon, on the list of pardons as well is, what's the guy's name, Kwame Kilpatrick, another corrupt politician, um, Little Wayne. I support the Little Wayne one. I'm happy he pardoned Little Wayne, but Little Wayne, some drug charge, was gonna, or no, I'm sorry, not drug, some gun charge, was going to get like 10 years, and Trump was like, that. I don't, that's nonsense, and so um, he pardoned him. 
but yeah, Steve Bannon is probably the most controversial one because if, if he went down on fraud, he was knocked for fraud, and it was legit, and Trump pardoned him. So anyway, classic Trump on his way out the door, very swampy moves. We talked about how he got rid of the lobbying ban on his way out the door to fully embrace the swamp. So there you have it, man. There you have it. Donald Trump on his way out the door, one of his last acts is to give a giant thumbs up to being pro-fraud. Okay.